Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Dose of Dog. You know, we're getting into the into the colder months, the winter months. So you, 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 who, who doesn't want to have a, a nice dog to cuddle with, whether it's a little lap dog or a, or a, big, old, a big old dog that can serve as its own blanket for you? <laughs> Scott here with Heather from Embark. Embark here in Eau Claire. Check them out online. Uh, the, uh, the premier doggy site here in the Chippewa Valley. And uh, Heather, you got a fun topic today you want to talk about. You want to talk about dogs and doors and door dashing. <laughs> and every, by the way, everyone I think has got a story with a dog running out. I remember back uh, uh, way, way back in the earliest days of my relationship with, uh, at the time, my fiance. And I accidentally let her dog run out the front door. Oh. And I got panic stricken. The dog, though, stopped <laughs> in the front yard, rolled over onto its back, and wanted me to rub its tummy. And I went, oh, thank goodness, because that uh, relationship would have been over before it started. <laughs> That's always the real test, right? <laughs> like, does the significant other like my dog? <laughs> yeah, so uh, DoorDash. I mean, I know a lot of you know DoorDashing from the food delivery service. <laughs> However, um, we're going to take a little bit of a different take on it. Actually, I mean, I guess it could be relevant because when DoorDash comes to deliver your food, there is a potential that your dog could bolt out of the door. So this this kind of surfaced some, from some conversations that I've had over the last couple of weeks in lessons and just like talking to clients in classes um, about dogs that bolt out of the door. <laughs> it's such a safety concern, like you said. Um, and And a lot of people don't know how to stop it. Um, or they're they're maybe not getting success in stopping it. So I think I thought I'd kind of break it down into three spots. You know, the front door or back door, whatever door you prefer to let your dog out of. Uh, the car door, because that is another big safety thing. Um, and the crate door, which isn't as big as a safety concern, perhaps, as the other two, but still important. Um and a lot of dogs, you know, they, they bolt out because there's something exciting on the other side. <laughs> and so oftentimes you see this behavior because whatever is on the other side of that door, be it the car door, the crate door, the house door, um, whatever's on the other side is like incredibly exciting for them. So we know, we've talked about before, reinforcement builds behavior. So the faster they get out the door to, you know, chase the squirrel um, you know, if they're going to the lake and they're they're getting out of the car there, um, <clears throat> they get to go potty outside or they get to go outside coming out of their crate. Like all of those things, um, once that door is open, is are probably really reinforcing to that dog. So you know, they're they're typically really excited when you when you open a door of some sort. Um, and you know, this is any door or transition space, I guess I would say. Um, if you have multiple dogs at home can lead to some issues as well. So I think putting these parameters in place if, if you have multiple dogs is also a really good idea to keep arousal levels down because we know, we solidly know <laughs> that um, incidents happen, scuffles happen, whatever you'd like to call them around areas of transition. So um, letting everyone out of the door in the morning, perhaps, or, or right when you get home when they're excited anyway. Um, you know, getting out of the car when they, they get to the lake and one of their dog friends is there, you know, high arousal in that context. Um, coming out of their crate when you've just gotten home. I know a lot of you with young dogs, um, if you do crate your dog, or even, even if they're not in a crate, they're in like the kitchen or they're maybe um, they have like a space that 
uh, that we, they you utilize as like their space. One of my clients calls it their dog's habitat, and I love that idea. <laughs> I think that's the cutest name. Um, so, so anytime you let them out of that space, you know, sometimes you you have a young dog or an adolescent dog, and it's like I always say it's like opening a champagne bottle. Like you open the crate door or the door to the kitchen or the you know space where you keep them, and they just explode out of there. So. And, and again, arousal levels don't lead to good decisions, as all of us know from our college years, <laughs> so or, or whatever. So putting some calmer, maybe controlled behaviors in that place would be just a really good idea. So let's start. Let's start with the house door. You know, if you think of your dog's history with the door at your house, this is where you know they get to go outside, and perhaps you know if your dog likes to run outside and bark at things, this is a really exciting you know, transition space. Um, if your dog likes to chase bunnies in the yard or kids on bikes that go by or, um, or whatever it might be, going out of that door is really exciting. And so oftentimes whatever's on the other side of it is more reinforcing than what you're doing on the inside of it. And then it becomes a safety issue, right? Like, you know, my gosh, dogs, I mean, it's getting darker now, as you said, Scott, because it's, you know, the light is fading as we head into winter at least here in Wisconsin. And so um, it's getting darker, harder to see dogs on the road. Um, And so that's just a safety concern. And not only like from a car, you know, vehicle safety, kind of a piece of not letting your dog run in the yard, but run into the road, but um, them bolting after something like the wildlife at my house are kind of crazy right now, like gathering things for the winter. So chasing something, chasing another dog, and then just like keeping everyone safe. You know, I work with lots and lots of reactive dogs and man, when you have a dog run up to your dog, even if it's friendly, it is such a big setback and it's such an emotional like smash to that person's work that they've just done with their dog when you have a dog like bum rush up to them when they're they're trying really hard to kind of change what their emotional response is to another dog. So, I mean, there's so many reasons for it. And, and I mean, the biggest one really is safety, I think, just making sure that, that everyone is safe. Um, and so, so what can you do? You know, a lot of people when <clears throat> they open the door, you know, they want their dog to sit or they want them to do a behavior. And one of the things that we've talked about in this podcast before is remember, under moments of high arousal, learning is difficult and thinking is difficult. And especially if you have a dog that's in the, those teenage, you know, times of their life. And remember, the teenage time is kind of between six months to like two, two and a half, three. Some of our dogs don't really mentally mature until. Um, and so, so under high arousal context, it's really hard to think and to do a skill. It's kind of like, you know, you are at your favorite band's concert and they're playing your favorite song and someone asks you to recite, you know, an equation or, you know, (laughs) something on the Krebs cycle, which I actually can probably recite right now um, because it's not under moments of high arousal. So, so, um, in those moments, it's really hard to think logically. So let's make it easy and give them something really easy to do. So I don't care what my dog does at the door. I just don't want them to bolt out the door. <laughs> so how can we get that where we make it fair to the dog? And and, and once we get those contacts or those situations under lower arousal kind of um, 
the dogs are under, a, 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 not as aroused in that context, then we can ask for a behavior. Um, but right now, while they're, they're kind of losing their brain a little bit, um, it's a little bit harder to get a skill. So let's start with something really easy. So um, first of all, we have to think about, let's set everyone up for success. So by your door, if you have a door dasher, can you, by the front door, have a container of some sort of like high value reinforcement and something that isn't going to go bad? So like freeze-dried liver works really well. Um, we sell the Vital Essentials freeze-dried dog food. Um, that works really well because it's bigger pieces. Um, it can stay in a jar forever. <laughs> so um, can you have some of that right by the door? And then what we're going to do is is not when they're going to go outside. So we're going to work on this behavior, not the moment we need to use it. So not when, you know, DoorDash has come to your door or Eat Street or whatever the services are come to your door to deliver your Chinese takeout. You're going to work on this like just when everyone's hanging out in the middle of the afternoon. So what we're doing with this behavior is we're going to pair your hand on the door means that something really good is going to happen behind your dog. So you have your treats ready to rock at the front door, somewhere accessible for everyone in your family something freeze-dried perhaps that, that can just last and sit out. And something that's maybe more novel than what they normally get. You know, I, I in classes and, and my private lesson clients will have heard me say not their, their minimum wage treats, but their CEO value treats. So, you know, when we're changing behaviors, it's often more effective if you use higher value reinforcement. So let's say we're using liver. So, um, First, all we're going to do is we're going to go up to the door and our hand goes on the door. And the minute our hand goes on the door, it predicts something really good is going to happen behind your dog. And the more succinct you can make this, the better. So, um, you know, if, if in your front, you know, entryway or, or whatever door that you typically go out more often, can you always throw the treats in the same spot, um, especially for the teenage dogs. Like, let's just make it easy on their little brains. <laughs> so can you put hand on the door, food appears on the rug behind them? Okay, and I want you to throw it behind them. So so what are we doing here? We're, we're just classic conditioning, basically. Hand on the door means something happens behind you. Hand on the door means something happens behind you. And, and you know, whenever we work with classic conditioning, we always kind of make the move into operant as we, we work something. And then we start to get a behavior that kind of comes out of that. So then what you're going to get is your hand goes on the door. And the more you've done this and your hand going on the door predicts something good is going to happen, the dog is going to go to the spot in which you have tossed the food. So, so little short bouts of this. So again, you have your food kind of hanging by the door. Can you go up, hand on the door, food lands behind them. And I always want it to go behind them because what's going to happen with that is you're, you're, you're creating a situation in which reinforcement happens not by the door, which in their previous history, um, you know, looking at what they've done at the door, they think all the good stuff happens outside of the door, which is why they're so excited to get out there. So let's make good things happen behind the door so that when you open it, they actually back up behind you. And with so many of the things that we teach, you don't need to say anything, which I know it's that's a difficult piece for a lot of people to not say you know, some kind of verbal cue like get back or, you know, to your spot or whatever. This this simply the the cue for this behavior is your hand goes on the door. My hand is on the door. 
something good's going to land behind you. So the dog just understands, oh man, hand on the door. That means something good's going to happen behind me. And then what you're going to get is your hand goes on the door and the dog's going to go to that position. And now we have a behavior that we can actually reward. So then our our next steps as we move further are going to be hand on the door, crack the door open a little bit, something good lands. And then maybe the next day it is hand on the door, crack the door open 12 inches, food lands behind you. And then the next day it's open the door halfway, food lands behind you. And you're going to work through the scenario until you can open the door, stand there with the door open and the dog is back, you know, ready for the, the, um, (laughs) the food to come flying in that spot. So you're just creating a new little, um, little scenario for what can occur at the door. Um, and, and so that we're making door opening mean reinforcement happens behind them, which means they're, they're going to choose to not bolt out of the door. Um, it's just, it's so easy to do and it's so easy for anyone to do, you know, a, a as long as a kid can throw food, <laughs> that's all they need to know how to do. And kids are pretty good at that. Um, so that's an easy way to do the door. And then you'd slowly work towards the end goal. So, you know, um, slowly kind of shaping towards what would it look like with the door open. And then we'd add a person. So then we would add, you know, door open, neighbor comes to the door, food lands behind. And so, so as we move forward and the dog continues to make progress, we, we slowly would add more distracting pieces to this equation. So open the door, um, there's a person there, food lands behind them. And you know, once you start doing this, you might, you can get them then because we have lower, lower arousal levels in that dog, um, to do a behavior. So then we could ask for a sit, we could ask for a down in that spot, but they're going to target whatever spot you threw that food in, which is quite fabulous because we can kind of direct where we need them to be. Um, and so, so that's a really easy way to get that behavior. Um, and then there's not all the management of you open the door and you try to grab the dog and they're not wearing a collar and you grab their ear and then they get upset and you try to body block them and everyone's trying to like, you know, smush their body through a tiny little open door crevice and try to get into your house. Um, it's such an easy thing to teach them. And and so you're going to do it in the middle of the afternoon when nothing's really going on. And that's when you're going to start until you get to the point where you can add a human as a distraction kind of into that context. Um, you know, the, the, the sad part that I see a lot of people try, I think with this is punishment. So, you know, um, and, and whatever that would look like, my gosh, I've heard a million things, you know, they're throwing something at them. They're spraying them with water. They are, um, you know, like body blocking them, whatever that might look like. But, you know, Scott, it's the problem with punishment, as we've talked about a lot, is that it's not teaching that learner what to do. So, me body blocking them, grabbing them by the neck or whatever it might be, I'm not teaching that dog what I want them to do. I'm just telling them the 700 ways I don't want them to do it, which I think in teaching any creature, it's, that's not fair. That's not fair to anyone. I mean, if you gave me a math, you know, like quiz, um, and all you did was correct everything I did wrong and then never tell me how to be right. Like, I'm not going to learn anything. <laughs> I'm just going to be upset with you. Um, and that's not really the way to a, a solid relationship. So by showing them what you would like them to do, you're, you're doing a lot of things. You're, you're giving them a skill, which 
is awesome. Um, you're telling them, hey, this is the expectation. When I go to the door, this is where I would like you to be. We've created a reinforcement history for that behavior. Um, and punishment just sucks anyway. I mean, you know, again, like you're grabbing your dog and man, you take a teenage dog and and you start to put your hands on them and they're just going to amp up. I guarantee it. The more you try to manhandle a young dog who's not got a fully developed prefrontal cortex, the more they're going to mouth you. They're going to bark at you. They're just going to get frustrated. And that's what a frustrated learner looks like in the dog world. So, um, so, so teach them what to do. It's just, it's infinitely easier. I think Ian Dunbar has a quote, you know, it's infinitely easier to teach a dog what to do than try to tell them the million ways of what not to do. So, um, just teach them what you want them to do in small little bits. Like just go back and, and reinforce the heck out of this behavior of them going to the right spot. So that would be the front door, you know, and then the other beauty of this is that, you know, your kid can go to the door um, and the dog knows what to do. They go to their spot. So, you know, you can't, cause you can't have a five-year-old, you know, trying to wrestle like a, you know, hundred pound German shepherd to not get to the front door. So if we just teach the dog what we want them to do, then it just makes management so much easier and pleasant. And the dog has paired, you know, people come to the door with something good happening behind them, which is good for people coming into the house. Not only like a safety, um, you know, a safety piece of not running out the out of the house. Um, and then you just start, you know, once they get this behavior, we start kind of fading out how many reinforcers we give them. So it might be, you know, in the beginning we're doing a lot. And then, you know, once they get this skill, um, you know, we do one and toss it behind them and people say, well, when do you fade out the food? Well, you know what, if they have this behavior and they never run out the door, I'd reinforce it all the time. Like, of course I would. Like anytime any learner in my life does something right, I'm going to reinforce them. Um, there's no reason to like fade out reinforcement. I mean, I don't know how long my staff would work if I was like, hey, you're doing a really good job and I'm just not going to pay you. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know if that would work well. So this is a behavior I'd like to keep on a maintenance schedule of reinforcement. So I would reinforce it um, quite often because it's an awesome behavior to have. So that would be the front door or the you know house door or whatever it might be. And so the car door, the crate door, there's the other two scenarios I wanted to kind of mention. And so we'll, we'd go through kind of the same protocol, really. You know, the car door, I always tell a story um, years ago, going to an agility trial up in Lake Elmo, if, if anyone used to show at that show, um, they used to have agility up at the the big August St. Croix Valley Kennel Club dog show. And um, heading there with a friend on a Saturday morning, it was really early, and we had, I think, four of our dogs or five maybe of our dogs, our own dogs in her van. Um, and we stopped at Woodbury at a rest stop, and we stopped there. And on the way to Woodbury on I-94 right there, there was a Border Collie, a Springer mix, and a Basset Hound running along the interstate. And it was really hot. It was like an August day because that show was always in August. And... Um, we tried to catch them. The only one we could catch was the poor Basset Hound because he was like, oh my God, it's hot out. Um, the other two dogs bolted from us. Um, and we went to the rest stop because we were headed that way. And a family was there and said their kids got out of the car. They were traveling from, I want to say it was Iowa or Illinois. And the kids had, they had stopped to use the rest area opened the car door and all three dogs just bolted. I mean, here they are, you know, one state away from home. No idea where they are. Right on I-94 on a Saturday. I mean, we all know what that looks like going into Woodbury on a Saturday morning. Um, so we took the Basset Hound to the agility trial with us and then took him to the Golden Valley Animal Shelter later that afternoon when they opened. Um, and so uh, that was a really scary incident. So, you know, I mean... 
yes, it's annoying when your dog jumps out of the car door, but gosh, it's such a safety piece. You know, with everyone kind of trying to get out traveling now and going new places, um, I think just teaching them a solid kind of weight at the car door is such a good way to do it. So how do you do that? It's kind of the same thing. You know, and again, I, I see so many people use punishment or management in this context when you really just have to teach them kind of the behavior you want. Um, I always tease my real life rover classes that I don't see them get out of the parking lot in their car, but I think a lot of people, what I envision them doing is opening their hatchback and kind of like um, getting ready to like, you know, they're rubbing their hands together and they're like, okay, I'm ready. They open the hatchback and they're like, wait, wait, wait. So the dog doesn't bolt. But all you need to do is teach them what you want them to do. So what that would look like would be um, you start in your garage or in your driveway. You start to open the hatch The and, and same premise, open the hatch a little bit, food lands behind them. And you might need a partner to do this. So you might need someone um, someone to maybe be in the back seat in the beginning. If you're by yourself, I would suggest a tether of some sort. So maybe a little tether into the, into the car with a harness, not on their neck so they don't try to jump and then hurt themselves. Um, but maybe they have a harness and like a little seatbelt kind of a thing on or just a leash tied to like the back seat so you can begin to work on this behavior and you have like a little backup safety mechanism. Um, and all we're doing with all of this, I mean, those of you that have listened to this have heard me say this a million times, we're just making a scenario really predictable <laughs> is essentially, you know, what we do a lot with training. So you're going to open the car, the back of the hatch, if your dog isn't crated or like secured. Um, and the opening of that back door means that something good is going to land behind them. So the, the, the little chain that's going to play out is door is open, something good lands behind you. And the reason that with all of these, I'm I'm placing reinforcement behind the dog is so that when the door opens, they want to look behind them. So they're drawn to go away from the door, which is just a safety thing, right? Like there's no need to bolt out of the door. All you need to do is turn around. Um, so just working on this and then, um, you know, whatever your your preference is for getting your dog into your car, whether they're in the back seat, whether they're in a crate, um, kind of coming up with a little scenario that you do every single time to get your dog out of that car. Um, in my reactive rover class, we call it their exit protocol. So, you know, every time you take your dog to a new place, what protocol are you going to use to get your dog out of the car? Because especially for reactive dogs, we want very um, kind of significant protocols and predictable parameters in place when they go to a new place because they're going to be a little worried like pulling into a new place. So we kind of go through the same routine, whatever they've chosen um, for an exit strategy when they go to a new place. So, you know, with your pet dog, it might be, you know, we get to a new place. I have worked on as the car door opens, good stuff lands behind you. And then maybe we work on now I've come into the hatch. So like the door is all the way open. I'm going to pay you for a down so that I can attach the leash to your collar or your harness. And then I'm going to lift you down or, or whatever that looks like for you. So, so practice this, but, but not like as you pull up to the lake or a friend's or the place you're going to hike <laughs> because they're again, arousal levels are high in that moment and you're just not going to get it. So practice this like in your driveway this weekend where you're just hanging out and you're cleaning your car out. So can you, you practice in, in that environment where, um, arousal levels are low and you can start to get this behavior so that we can put it into place in the environments that you're going to use it in. So that would be the car door. And then the last one is the crate door. And gosh, 
we use, um, a lot of us instructors at least, um, we really heavily rely, Susan Garrett is a trainer that has Say Yes Dog Training in Canada. I mean, she's got a whole program called Crate Games. Um, and I really love her Crate Games workshop and the protocol. And so if you if you really want to get into this, um, check out Susan Garrett's Crate Games. There's a DVD that comes with it. Um, she's got some great stuff. But the Crate Door is kind of the same thing. I mean, we have a, a, a very common theme here <laughs> where... With the crate, what you're going to work on not bolting out of the crate is my hand going onto the door crate means that something good is going to land in the back of the crate. So you're going to go up to the crate door, hand on the door, something good lands in the lands behind them. And, and even if your dog is losing their mind, so even if your dog is losing their mind, and that is, you know, people will say, oh my gosh, and then you're reinforcing the crazy behavior. Remember, you're not. You're actually classically counter-conditioning this behavior. So we're making my approach mean something good happened. And that crazy behavior is going to go away. Believe me, trust me, I've seen it a million times. So hand on the door, food lands in the back. And again, CEO value treats, not like a Charlie bear or a kibble. Well, perhaps if you're a Labrador and you will eat anything all the time, <laughs> probably not with a Husky. Um, and so High value treats are going to happen in the back. So, and, and we're going to use the same protocols that we use at the front door. So hand on the door means something good happens, happens in the back so that they learn when I come to the crate door, oh my gosh, something really good lands in the back. So they're going to choose to go to the back of that enclosure or whatever it might be. Um, and then open the door a little, they stay in the back, they get reinforced back there. So it's the same same principles, the same kind of methods we're going to use for the crate that we use at the front door. It's just that the door is a lot smaller. <laughs> um, and I want the food to land at the back of the crate. That's a really important piece to this whole equation. So um, hand at the back. And then again, slowly kind of working through that same, like open the door a little, something good lands. And then just have a word that means they're released. So most of us use okay or break or my gosh, you could use whatever you'd want to use. So um, all three of those doors, um, we kind of are working on the same thing. And, you know, the dog will start to kind of, the more you do it at all doors, they'll start to kind of generalize. And once you get the dog where they're targeting to be kind of at the back of the, you know, the back of the front, your front entry or the back of by, by the car door or the crate door um, they're just going to learn that that's what they do and and once we bring those arousal levels down and they have something very succinct to do then we could ask for a down or a sit like now their brain is actually thinking um, and we could actually ask for a behavior in those contexts so I hope this weekend you get a chance to kind of practice these things it's it's yes it is a huge safety piece but I think the other um, really important piece to this is it just makes everyone kind of less stressed in these contexts so the dog isn't going to bolt out of one of these one of these um, areas so if you start to work on this at home in a kind of a low arousal I guess environment we can slowly kind of put them and it's just going to make your dog a lot safer so get out this weekend and kind of practice all of those things or this week um, at the house door and, and it could be any door in your house um, screen door opening a door that opens the car door so wh whether you get them out of the back seat or the front seat or whatever it's going to be um, in their crate and it will make your life so much easier and safer with your dog